Hey y'all, so we have some super exciting news. We are going to be starting doing a monthly live show via Twitch. Twitch, 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 Twitch. In Twitch. partnership with the Pack Theater, who I know that if you've been listening to the show, you have heard us talk about many, many times. The Pack what? The Pack Theater. Go on. It is uh, our comedy home here in Los Angeles. It is a great comedy theater. They have tons of great programming the rest of the month, but you're going to be able to see us starting this Thursday, the third Thursday of every month, live on twitch.tv slash pack theater. Our very first show this week is going to be featuring special guests Jasper Sams and Alex Lewis. You may remember Jasper from our episode on Hey Arnold. Uh, And we're going to be talking about South Park this week. So please please come uh, tune in on Thursday, September 24th at 8 p.m. on twitch.tv slash packtheater. Uh, If you have your evening, you know, and you're just chilling and you want to turn in an hour before that, you can also see Brandon on uh, Super Dating Simulator's Hyper Crush Battle Arena. You may have also heard us talk about Super Dating Simulator before with our former guest, Sam Weller, who uh, runs that and is a rock star and was on our anime episode. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and enjoy this episode. Bye. So I was going to do, I had this whole bit planned out. I was going to go, the Squidwards. Because, like, you know, it's like the Simpsons, but then I said Squidward, which is a thing wow. from what we're talking about this week. But Nothing like explaining a bit to make it work. Well, no, see, here's the thing. I, I didn't I didn't, I didn't, didn't do that bit, and I'm going to explain why. Um, wow, even better. As it's I like was getting an star- improv show explained to you. I know, right? Only, only far more interesting as I was about to start doing that bit like I I'm recording in the bedroom today and I'm sort of like wired into my spot uh the cat hopped up onto my shelf and said Brandon don't do that bit (laughs) yes she did she suddenly came to uh was able to speak um I I look over there and she's on the shelf she knows she's not allowed to be on and hops down with something in her mouth I can't figure out what it is and it's the head of a weird Al Yankovic action figure that she yeah. has now been like hunting across the uh, the bedroom uh, as I've been doing all of this. So I've just been watching my small little cat running around with the head of comedy icon Weird Al, and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, welcome, welcome to the uh, taping in the bedroom experience. Right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really wild in here compared yeah, to uh, sitting next to the sun window. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um. Hi, everybody. This is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato, taping from the living room today. Ha ha. I know, right? And uh, joining us today is a longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of ours. Uh, you know him from his graphic works on uh, late uh, Full Frontal with Sam B. I always called it Late Night with Sam B, which is not right. Um, you also know him from, uh, having his legs broken in the pilot of Better Call Saul. 
Daniel Spencer, welcome to the show. They were filming that? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> that, that's just your fetish, having your legs broken near Bob Odenkirk? Yeah. I, I mean, if they had the footage, they might as well use it. Yeah, right. <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for coming. We've we've wanted to get you on the the show for a while. You uh, your uh, your your depth and breadth of animation knowledge uh, is has impressed me for like half my life at this point. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Maybe it's always nice to hear how cool I am for knowing right? so much about animation. Right, and you're also a member of uh, Captain Hippo. Yep, New York's only sketch comedy troupe. Yeah, right. It's it's really funny how you guys managed to uh, get in on the ground floor of that and make sure no one else ever did sketch comedy in New York. Yeah, we've really been uh, we climbed that mountain and we're preventing anyone else from deserving our title as the only only comedy troupe in New York City. Just just like stomach kicking people off the top of the Matterhorn. It's rough. It's a full time. Get job. off. You guys do do these uh, amazing uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade uh, shorts every year that are genuinely delightful and just a list sketch, which is my favorite type of sketch. Oh, for sure, yeah. They've actually become the the only thing that we do. <laughs> if I look at our <laughs> YouTube page, I think the last five videos are just every November. <laughs> it's good to have traditions. It's all we have. That's all we we've all just been, you know, trained now to just we only like lists. Yeah. Nothing mm -hmm. else. I'm cool with it. It's fine. The hardest part about this comedy for me is knowing the numbers. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I mean, the hardest comedy about the hardest thing about all comedy right now is comedy. Um, yeah. Right. Is is timing. Uh, but that's all right. That's because I'm going to take a bold stance and say Zoom comedy is bad, but it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, Be being part of a theater that has pivoted exclusively to Zoom-based... Uh, Which, like, we're, to be clear, like, people are adapting and doing what they need to do and keeping theaters alive, and, like, like that's all rad, but I think everybody can agree it leaves something to be desired in the experience department. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a physics barrier sure. that's getting in the way of, of, of good laughs. Okay, but you know what? I haven't had to see a tarp sketch in, like, six months, and I'm fine with that. A tarp sketch? Oh, God. Yeah, um, a, a sketch where at the beginning of the sketch, the team brings a tarp out on stage before oh, the sketch begins, and that's how you know that it's about to get weird. Oh, man, that, that sucks so much. Yeah, it does. It sucks. It's it's really, it's not great to be in the audience for. Yeah. I don't think they ever really, that never really took off all, all that much at UCB, kind of with the exception of, of DCM, but like... It, yeah, tarp sketches are, are sort of de rigueur at, at the pack, and I my blood pressure rises 10 points every time I'm sitting in the audience for one. I mean, good on them for having the foresight to bring the tarp. I know a uh, sketch team I was on at UCB got in trouble once because we dropped a rotisserie chicken on the stage. Yeah, well, people do get in trouble if they don't. There, there are rules about what you can and cannot do on the stage that have been broken and people have been in trouble for them, so... There's, I mean, there's some house tarps at this point that just live backstage. Sure. Which, like, just the, the, the texture and mouthfeel of them is dreadful. The tarps? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh... I mean, if you're gonna, if you have to choose between eating a rotisserie chicken or eating a tarp, you're gonna go with the rotisserie chicken. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Even if it's been on the floor of UCB Chelsea, I imagine? It, uh, yeah. That was the last time, <laughs> last time I was there. <laughs> 
was the old one, yeah. Cleanest floor in town, baby. Yeah. I haven't been to the, uh, the Hell's Kitchen one. And you never will. Yeah. I would love to not talk about this anymore. Uh, do you want to talk about what we're into this week instead? Instead of gross chicken on the floor? Yeah. Let, well, no, let's stick, let's stick on the chicken in, on the floor for just a few more minutes. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, before we get into the show, let's go through a round of uh, things we're into this week. Don't worry, I actually have one this time. Good. Uh, which is which is a shock to me, personally. Uh, this week, I am into the video game Disco Elysium. Oh yeah, you've been playing a lot of that. It's real good. It's an old school, like, isometric uh, Fallout 1 and 2 style, like, CRPG where... All of your... Oh, boy, I am lost. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it only gets weirder. A video game. Yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're not... They, they've come a long way since, uh, since Asteroids and Mario and Pong. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, you play a detective who got so drunk, he forgot literally everything. Including who he is. Including who he is. And so he wakes up in the middle of a murder investigation... Uh, also trying to figure out like what reality is and there's no there's no combat to it all of the like for lack of a better word combat is uh, dialogue and like skill checks Um, and I basically turned my character into this weird like performance art cop I'm listening who runs around in like a cowboy hat and a uh a jacket with uh, some very bad words on it that I convi- that I convinced a weird art punk to give me, not out of like any authority, but just because he kind of felt bad for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is a video game. Yeah, it rules. You're you're able to like the the stats you're able to customize are like empathy and like volition. Um, wow. And, like, these really, like, under-the-hood things. But then also even more abstract stuff, like uh, you have a stat for drama, and you have a stat for Inland Empire, which is just, like, David Lynch abstract weirdness. Um, And you can also, like, if you wanted to, you could make your character, like, a super cop who can just, like, punch his way to all the answers he needs. Or you can make him, like, an abstract art cop, like I have. Um, And it all takes place in this weird, like... Uh, like sort of like uh Western Europe-y, uh like communist uh Union state where like oh so this is like really your shit uh, we haven't talked a lot about this but uh <laughs> yeah 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 like the entire game has this like it's very papers please it, it's it's farther left it's the farthest left video game I've ever played uh and like is all about, like, the goods and bads of socialism and unions and things like that. Wow, interesting. All right. Um, the entire cast of Chapo Trap House do voices in it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 real fucking good. Um, yeah, so if you if you want to go take, like, an abstract uh, art cop ride, go check out Disco Elysium. Uh, it's 40 bucks on Steam, uh, and it's supposed to be coming to playstation at, at some point but who knows when so yeah that's that's mine beth what about you 
this week, I mean, it was really like last week at this point, y'all, but um, sure. since we last recorded, uh, I uh, watched all of Doom Patrol, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, oh, yeah, it's Brendan Fraser's on that, right? Brendan Fraser is on that, yes. Um, sort of. And it's, it, as, a, as a comics person, I've seen a lot of comics media out there, and I really enjoyed Doom Patrol because it is the first show I've seen that really feels... Um, like it keeps the spirit of a comic book. It's just, it's really joyfully like absurd and just kind of says like, this is what we are. Hey, go fuck yourself. Like it's, it's really fun and it doesn't try to shy away from like the weirder kind of Doom Patrol storylines that you would see in a book um, or like the more absurd things that would normally appear in a comic, no problem. But like we tend to try to tone down when we, adapt them into film media and um I, I i just i found it very like refreshing and i really enjoyed it and all the performances are really really good um especially because two of the characters have no way of um facially emoting so like uh the two actors who play who play um robot man and uh negative man are both really really great they're like really great actors um and then matt bomer and brendan fraser do the voices um, on top of the acting that the other two guys have done. And so it's a it's an interesting collaboration and it's really well acted considering neither one of them can facially emote. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. The show is also fucking wild. It is. That's what I'm talking about. It, it's got like all the like wild things that would happen in a comic, like very gleefully saying like, this is what comics are. Fuck off. Like, oh, yeah, it's it's really fun. I enjoyed it. As you were watching them, the moment that really made me sit up and go, hold on, was when you told me there was an episode about a sentient genderqueer street. Danny. Danny the sentient genderqueer street. Yeah. And I was like, that is some, like, galaxy brain thinking. Danny is a recurring character. Danny is very important, and Danny comes up a lot. Really? Yeah. Oh, that rules. Yeah. Danny's great. Uh, Dan, are you in anything this week? Uh Thank I'm I'm so boring. Uh, yeah, I, I got into a, a TV show on Netflix called Borgen, and it is okay. uh, it is a TV show from Denmark, uh, and it is pretty much it's pretty much their West Wing. It's just about uh, Parliament and the government uh, of Denmark. So they elect their first um, woman prime minister. So the first two episodes are the election, and then it kind of goes into the minutia of like. Uh, learning how parliament works they are and about how the, the, all the negotiations they have to do with all the different parties because it's not really a two-party system like here. It's more like the UK or in Europe where there are like all these third parties that have to come together to bargain and make agreements with each other. And they throw in a bunch of scandalous, uh, scandalous, dramatic good stuff in the mix. But I just kind of, I just kind of like being dropped. I just kind of like being dropped in like, what, what, what don't I know about Danish parliament? <laughs> Danish politics? Sure. Lay it on me. Honestly, uh, I might check that out. I'm kind of into that conceptually. It's, it's very good. The actors are phenomenal. And, uh, I think it's great. Nice. But what we are here to talk about today is not the Danes, but... The Danish Danish politics of the ocean. Right? God, I wish... I I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a late-run episode of, of Spongebob that was entirely in Danish or about <laughs> Danish politics. I mean, I'm sure it's been syndicated. I feel like that's what they're working up towards. Oh, most definitely. 
Yes, I do love SpongeBob. All right, well then let's get into it because I do not. So someone's gonna have to convince me. You you do you don't li- like it or you haven't seen it? No, but I I in fairness and and Brandon knows this, but in fairness, my like whole experience with SpongeBob is deeply colored by this one kid I used to babysit that was just the worst child on earth. I hated him, and he was obsessed. <laughs> he was obsessed. Oh, for sure. I have I have a lot of things. <laughs> There are a lot of things that I can't like because somebody I hated liked it. Yeah, it was just, well, it was just like I got, it was all he wanted to do all the time was mm-hmm. watch Spongebob. Especially when it's a child, too, that is obsessed with a thing you find annoying. And that's the thing, like, I'd seen it before and I had never really, I, he's what made it annoying for me. Right. But we were also, like, just in, like, middle school, high school when it was starting to come out. So I kind of, like, missed the bubble of watching it, especially because I didn't really watch TV. I don't know. What I'm saying is I may not have a lot to contribute here, but I I am aware. Look, you want to talk about SpongeBob meme culture? Let's circle back around later. I'll talk about that all day. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. 100%. I but yeah, Dan, I guess if, if you could give us maybe just a quick TLDR on uh, SpongeBob and and why why you love it so much, because it's been it's been running for 20 years at this point, I think. Right. And I will full full disclosure or half disclosure. I uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the full run. I, I was very into it. I caught all the the original episodes, and I was a very big fan. But as I've uh, as I've blossomed into adulthood, uh, I I've kind of uh, I'm not as uh, as much as of a, of a compulsive SpongeBob watcher as I was. So that's fair. I am a huge fan, so there might be some blind spots, and I will be googling as I talk. We're we're not necessarily completists here. We don't mind. That being said, I believe SpongeBob lives on an airplane of some kind. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's with his best friends, the Harlem Globetrotters. Sure. He lives on an orange airplane up in the sky, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> knows the theme song, which is the full, full uh, Rush twenty one twelve album. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, it was it's it was gutsy of of Nickelodeon to allow a show with a twenty two minute long opening mm-hmm. sequence. It definitely paves the way for the show. <laughs> Yeah, right. So SpongeBob. So SpongeBob, yes. Uh, you want me to talk about why I like it or what it is? I mean, I think we all know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think we all sort of okay. know roughly what we've we've been in the world for the last 20, 20 sure. years. But like what what about SpongeBob has like grabbed your attention and managed to hold it so deeply for so long? I think what it is uh, is that uh, I grew up loving cartoons and wanting to make cartoons. And uh, that was the, the plan for, for my life. And that's what ended up happening. It was all according to plan. Uh, but I think what what made SpongeBob so appealing to me is that I liked a lot of cartoons growing up, but a lot of the ones I liked kind of had this dark tinge. Like it, a lot of it felt like I wasn't really supposed to be watching it. Uh, and then SpongeBob kind of had a lot of elements of all of those. And it was a lot of the same people that made all the cartoons that I liked growing up, but it was so insanely positive. And there wasn't a lot of like, it, it clearly wasn't funneling through the neurosis and, and mental illnesses of a singular person <laughs> uh, which is definitely fine for, for most art uh, and I can see why that is uh, valuable in most art but in Spongebob's case sometimes I think it's just nice to have a bunch of talented artists make something that is just solely positive. It, I mean it is a very joyfully positive show it's just absurd. Mm-hmm. But it still kind of has the same artistry and, and grotesqueness and uh, 
irreverence is like a lot of other shows that I liked as a kid. Yeah, I think this this was like the first thing that kind of popped off big after the generation of like Chowder and Flapjack and all of those, which were kind of starting to lead more towards that like, this is kind of absurdist, but look at all these jokes for adults. And I think that the early SpongeBob did that really well. Um, and I think it's kind of only grown from there. Like the movies are like buck wild and like maybe not for children, but they are for some reason. <laughs> like That first SpongeBob movie is I think my favorite movie of all time. The hardest I've ever laughed in a theater was at the first SpongeBob movie when I had, it came out when I was in like 10th or 11th grade and I had just had this like nightmare week and I went and saw it at like, like within 20 minutes of when school was out and the opening is this very like realistic, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, -y, like pirate ship. Uh, and they're, they're looking for some treasure and they open the treasure chest. It's tickets to the SpongeBob movie. And then they all start singing the song and I lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> Yeah, and it just totally, totally shifts completely to this like bright, saturated, happy thing. Yeah, yeah, it 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 rules. Which which I think is uh, the character of SpongeBob himself is so relentlessly positive in this in the face of of all evidence to the contrary. And he's my age, which is weird, <laughs> according to his voting license. <laughs> <laughs> SpongeBob is in his is in his mid thirties. Yeah, he was born in nineteen eighty six. SpongeBob is an adult, which is like the thing that if I think about too much, just really upsets me. <laughs> oh God! What's weird about or what's um cool about SpongeBob as a character is that if if you were asked who's your favorite character on SpongeBob and you said SpongeBob, it would be like a perfectly acceptable answer. Whereas a lot of cartoons, like if you were like, oh, I love Hey Arnold, who's your favorite character? If somebody was like, I love Arnold, you'd be like, what is the matter with you? Yeah. Arnold, does, Arnold doesn't do anything. And I, I think they're like, even Rocco's Modern Life, like I like Rocco. But yeah, like Tommy Pickles is nobody's favorite. For some reason, I never gravitated toward Rugrats. But uh, I think it was because I didn't like the drawing style, even though now looking back, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I have I have a hard time with that, uh, that kind of early 90s Klasky Shupo style yeah even though they did the first uh run of the simpsons too yeah which which is which is another one where it's like it's a little too janky for me right like like i i like a, i like a, a little bit of jank in my art style but like <laughs> it, it, it it would be like if south park had stayed looking like it did for the first season for uh however many decades they've been running now right you know what is weird about South Park is that they use the most cutting edge technology to make the most rudimentary looking product, which is very fun. I watched the movie a couple years ago and it's so, it's wild that like every single episode of South Park looks miles better than the movie, than the movie did. And the movie was like, oh my God, South Park looks amazing for the first time. Oh yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. That was something I got such a huge kick of, uh, out of as a kid was when they would make an animated movie based on a TV show and you could kind of see it, see it good. Like you could see the money that goes into it and the colors are a little bit more muted and the sound design was uh, brighter and it, I, I used to love that shit so much. That's like, oh, yo, the Wild Thornberry movies, put it in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Jetsons movie a couple months ago. It's very weird. It's so weird. That art style is so fucking cool. Where it was like... It's, it was the 80s. Yeah, they, they took like the most 80s like 
Bill and Ted CG and then drew the mm-hmm. Jetsons on them. It's almost like a proto like uh, El Dorado art style almost, which was like the first, I think, heavily CG background hand animated characters. It super was, and you can tell when you watch it. And Tiffany did Tiffany did the voice of Judy. You're right, she did. Have we have I ever told my Tiffany story on the show? Or our Tiffany story, I guess? Oh, we've definitely told the Tiffany story on the show. Never told us a name. Um, it's about when we got engaged. Yeah, the, the the TLDR is that I was gonna propose to Beth when we were at Epcot, and the first spot where I was gonna do it was on these these docks outside of the Italy pavilion. And literally as I was like reaching into my pocket to like get out the ring and like draw breath to start talking from the stage at the American pavilion, like 200 yards to our left, uh, I suddenly hear a voice go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Tiffany. Uh, And then this like boomy Tiffany jam started and we both started laughing and proposal ruined. (laughs) So you, you put the ring back in your pocket and you waited. I did. I, I'm still waiting to propose uh, at this point, honestly. <laughs> Tiffany's still singing. <laughs> she is. There's an American pavilion in Epcot? Th- there is. It's, uh, oh, it's called the American Adventure, but like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> Cool. It, it is home to the uh, American Adventure stage show, which is uh, an animatronic adventure starring Ben Franklin and uh, oh, f- Mark Twain. Uh, and the Sam the Eagle-themed Regal Eagle Smokehouse. Oh, I mean, that sounds good. Yeah, that actually does sound pretty fucking bomb. It's 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 way better than Pizza Rizzo, from from what I've been told. What what about the what is it about the movie that that uh that you love so much? Like even beyond the TV show, like for like for it to have have you know hit the top of your list so definitively. Sure. Um. I think again, it's that it's that bright positivity where it's just like a celebration of complete ballistic joy. Sure. Uh, that I like, um, but also uh, like what I was saying before of just seeing because I always appreciated the drawing in SpongeBob, the facial expressions, the the like. The, I guess they borrowed a lot from shows like Rock, Modern Life, or instead be like this, the extreme uh, hand painted close ups and the grotesqueness were just amplified ten times in the movie, and it just looked so beautiful and it sounded so beautiful. And I think, what year did it come out? 2004, I think? Something like that, three or four, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, at this point, what, what period of adolescence isn't rough, but I'm sure I, I was going through a rough time when I saw it. And I think it was just like a, you know, for a movie that takes place underwater, it's just, it's just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I'll say that. Hell yeah. So put that in your, put that in your fucking article. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> And when it doesn't take place underwater, I kind of appreciate how the uh, creators really like to just joyfully be like, look at the reality of this. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Or like when they would go up uh, uh, above the water and they would just be a, a sponge. Yeah, a sponge on a popsicle stick. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they have no problem. Like, Spongebob, I I feel like watching Spongebob is sometimes just, like, very body horror. Like, the way that they just contort things and, like, it's it's wild. You're right. The animation is just... It's very, very... They're not on model very often. No. (laughs) No. Uh, It's amazing. But, yeah, the animation is just grotesque almost in a way that's fun. (laughs) 
I also think a lot of it for me is um, it's clearly made by people who are having the most amount of fun uh, in terms of mixed media. And like, like I said, with the puppets, like we're just going to, we're going to shoot this. Uh, we're going to make some freaky puppets or one, there's a stop motion episode. Uh, there's a bunch of live, weird live action episodes. They incorporate a lot of live action footage in the animation sometimes. So it feels very like uh, Motley, Pee Wee's Playhouse, anything goes, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And like very much. Yeah. there There's this sort of like manic creativity to it that, that, the Mm -hmm. that those early nicktoons had that spongebob really sort of pushed to the next level and that that i think Mm -hmm. the fact that spongebob sort of i think started roughly around the time adult swim did like kind of in earnest they they, they've both they've always sort of felt like opposite sides of the same coin to me where spongebob Mm -hmm. took that into a, a, a very visual direction of like playing with mixed media and just doing all these wild experimental things whereas like those early adult swim shows kind of went in the opposite direction of like we're gonna be like we're gonna dive into your psyche and you're gonna think you dreamed this (laughs) exactly like we're we're gonna make the thing that like is gonna be on in the middle of the night that doesn't look like it should be on tv and like feels like a weird dream that that level of like almost reckless creativity feels like it doesn't get like doesn't make its way to the screen anymore. Like the last time I sort of felt that in an animated show was watching Tuca and Birdie, which yeah, I like that show very much. I thought that was great. I, I've I've always struggled to get into BoJack for for as much as I'm a huge Lisa Hanawalt fan, um, mm-hmm. but like yeah, BoJack is just so bleak and like is animated, but it doesn't feel like it really takes advantage of being a cartoon. Which SpongeBob absolutely does, and Tuca and Birdie did in a way that really struck me. Where like every moment of it, like even like down to scene transitions, was like, oh, you could only do this as a cartoon. Yeah, it it knows it's a cartoon and it it is a cartoon, but there are moments of like pure poetry and I don't know. I, I sound like very pretentious right now, but there are there are moments of no. it where you're watching a cartoon and you forget, and you're just like, oh wow, this. Uh, they're touching on extremely heavy subject matter. Oh yeah, and then there's like this wacky transition that can only be accomplished in in animation, which is very cool. And it, again, a show like that, it's like, oh, this was made by people who were having a good time. And I forget what anime what animation house did it, but you could tell, like, oh, we have to get the characters from here to here. Instead of just putting them there, let's what's the the dumbest, funnest way we can get this character from here to there? Yeah, and it's great. It's relentless, and it's great. And that's kind of what I was saying, like with BoJack, and I watched the first couple of seasons and I liked it. And for some reason, I, I have to go back and finish because I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a great show, but it's definitely, um, it's a cartoon for adults in a way. You can only watch so much of it at a time. It's so heavy. I've done that too, where I've started BoJack and then I'm like, I can't watch more of this because like, it's very real. <laughs> right. How much self-destruction can I handle in my own life? And then watch something else. Yeah. Uh, And I guess that's why I like SpongeBob too, because I, I have enough, I don't want to be dismissive of, because I'm in that company that I have as much, as many issues or mental health issues as anyone else who decides to go into cartoons. But there are some cartoons that I watch where I'm like, okay, I understand that there are issues to work through. And I feel like SpongeBob does a good job of touching on topics or making people feel uh, good about certain issues in the, in a very positive, accessible way that is just, is nice. 
Well, because ultimately, as much as it is, you know, it has been on for 20 years, it has been in the zeitgeist, people know what it is. Ultimately, when you get down to, like, the brass tacks of programming, it is technically a show that is supposed to be made for kids. The target demographic is supposed to be kids. So every one of their episodes really does manage to whatever, even if it is a heavy thing they're talking about, it's it has to be done in that way of kids shows where you cleverly fit the message in. Yeah, right. But it's also weird because, like, I was, like, I saw somebody talking recently about modern Spongebob and how, like, I haven't watched a Spongebob episode in a really long time. And maybe it's always been like this, but now that I'm an adult, it feels more frenetic. But it just, somebody said that uh, modern Spongebob episodes have the pacing of a TikTok video (laughs) in that they're just constant. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. That it's just, like, constant constant high energy which i guess is kind of spongebob's whole character but like i don't i don't know if maybe i'm just old and i find that exhausting and they've always been that way or if that's new i i, I feel like that's maybe new because like for for as much as spongebob was, is a character whose whole thing is high energy positivity he's he's not a particularly like oppressive character i guess like he doesn't sort of stress me out the way that like rick on rick and morty does um sure but again if a show's been on 20 years it's not shocking that it's going to evolve with its audience oh yeah curious to see what it has become because i i've watched those original like before the movie there were like 60 episodes uh and i'm sure at some point i've seen all of those guys but yeah i'm very curious to see what it's like now was the movie sort of like steve hillenberg's kind of last like the last time he was kind of at the driver's seat i know he stopped doing the show to do the movie is that the creator i'm sorry i don't know yeah okay um so he so he's not involved anymore he died in 2018 well okay the movie didn't come out two years ago (laughs) right yeah i know he um decided to to not do both in tandem uh because i I, from what i've read he didn't want to compromise the integrity of either project makes sense he uh stepped away from the show to direct the movie which i think paid off because it's the finest movie of all time yeah that's it's got a Motorhead song in it. It's so weird to me, the, the like, big-name celebrity cameos that are in any Spongebob movie. You're just like, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah, because they all love Spongebob. Yeah. David Bowie loves Spongebob. Was Bo- is Bowie in the Spongebob movie? He's in the Atlantis one. It was, I think, made for TV. Oh, oh I, didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I know he... He wrote a song for the musical, I believe. I think it might be for, from that special, maybe. I actually haven't seen that special because it's past my, uh, it was not past my bedtime. No, it's past the uh, the point where I stopped. I kind of lost touch, but I know. Yeah. I know that he was in that uh, episode. I know Brandon was watching the musical on YouTube recently. <laughs> I have not seen the musical, but uh, only because I can't handle musicals <laughs> at all. That's fair. I, I watched the first probably 20 minutes of a, a bad YouTube upload of it. As it was meant to be seen. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it is very cl- – like, even from what I saw, it is very clearly like, oh, this this is cool on tape, but, like, really would have popped uh, in, a, in a live setting. Um, 
Because actually, I watched an hour-long documentary about it, despite the fact that I had didn't watch the um, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's very on-brand for you. I didn't watch it, but I watched an hour-long documentary about it. The Brandon Beck story. I mean, you want to know everything about it before you before you decide whether or not you want to put the time in. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but, like, the, the person who directed it, like, really made this decision of, like, we don't want this to look like a theme park show. You know, like like we like they didn't want it to just be like a big plastic SpongeBob suit, and that's what really impressed me is that like everything about it t- took the the feeling and the vibe of the cartoon, but like really brought them to life in a in a live action way. Yeah, I liked. I've, I've seen some uh, clips and pictures of the, the the designs and the costumes and stuff, and it looks very cool. Like it looks, it doesn't look like a a fan servicey like plop your kids in front of it and watch a guy in a Patrick costume fall down. Yeah. Which I would pay to see. Oh God. Yeah. That would, that would, I would absolutely watch Patrick getting hit by football for uh, Patrick is getting his own show too. Apparently. Oh, it's, it's like a talk show, isn't it? Or something. Yeah. It's like a Larry Sanders thing. That (laughs) I love that. That's really good. Patrick is Patrick is just like the epitome of just like, sweet pure baby like he's just so stupid but he means so so earnestly amazing character every character every character in spongebob adds up to a complete human being when crammed together yeah which is wild because so many shows don't i was gonna say we should maybe talk about about the the ensemble because like there there is a deep bench of characters on this show outside of you know your 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 main trio of uh spongebob uh, his large pink boyfriend Patrick, and uh, his uppity green boyfriend Squidward. Um, the best character, yes. Uh, I f- I fucking love Squidward. Yo, the handsome Squidward filter on Instagram is bad. <laughs> I just I just saw someone posted that. I I don't care for hot Squidward. It's bad. <laughs> very very good. I think it's great. Don't do it. I'm gonna. I th- I think I think my favorite character out of the entire. Bikini Bottom crew is probably Mr. Krabs. Um, I just I I always love a crazy rich person character. Um, <laughs> I mean, Mr. Krabs, I talk about for hours and hours. Oh God, yeah, he's he's very much in that vein. He is, I think, the the exact midpoint between Mr. Burns and Jimmy James on news radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, SpongeBob, my boy. <laughs> SpongeBob, me, Bob. Ugh. Oh, geez. I did see a thing online recently that was like, is that his daughter or like his sugar, like the the whale that calls him daddy? They were like, what kind of daddy does she mean? Because he's a crab and she's a whale. And all she ever does is show up and say, daddy, give me money. And now I have questions. Huh. I've never thought of Yeah, well, the internet is a dark place that likes to make a lot of SpongeBob memes and they make me sure. think about SpongeBob a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess... I guess I don't know how complete my fandom is if I haven't like overthought every element of it. Just like I like, I like the blue guy. I guess. I mean, no, don't, don't overthink any elements of it. Like I said, I came across that one just like organically in my internetting, um, and I wish I hadn't. Yeah, if you really lo- love SpongeBob, name ten memes about it. I mean, okay. okay. Uh, observe. Observe is my favorite one. <laughs> I oh sure I downloaded a, a little widget on my phone that that could do the uh uh for lack of a better word the SpongeBob text 
the lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase. Oh, sure. Yeah. You can just do that. You can just do that as well with your hands and a keyboard, as I often do. You you can, but it, it's it's a pain in the ass on your phone. Eh. Dan, if you if you had to pick a couple like episodes or or bits from the movie that really like uh, that really speak to you as like prime examples of what you love about SpongeBob. Um, no problem. Hell yeah. Uh, there are two episodes that come to mind of the show that I, I rewatch whenever uh, I'm feeling down, which is these days, almost never. Uh, yeah, we're all doing great. <laughs> yeah, uh, Everybody's always good. Yeah, we're having a great time. We're all first mates on the friendship. <laughs> uh, the... I don't know why I said that. I'm so sorry. You can edit stuff out of this. That uh, is going to. I'm going. I'm saying right now that is going to be our audio clip for uh, social media for this week. Okay. No sure. Problem. Uh, the first episode I would recommend is an episode called Band Geeks, uh, and it's about uh, Squidward the Squid uh, gets a phone call from his rival Squilliam Fancy Son, who's a very rich, successful musician in all the ways that Squidward has always dreamed of being, but it, uh, it has never accomplished. Um, and uh, Squilliam tells Squidward that he was tasked with performing the halftime show at uh, a big football game, but can't. So he was wondering if Squidward and his band could do it. And Squidward says, sure, and then has that amount of time to form a band and play the halftime show and prove to his rival that he's a successful musician, even though he's just a cashier at a best food restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I explained that uh, good. But uh, no, I get it. Basically, Squidward lies and uh, and he's a big liar and uh, he'll burn in hell for this since that he's brought on others. But I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons Squidward's going to burn in hell. Sure. But I'm here for it. One is because at no point does he ever mention Jesus Christ. Um, no one on SpongeBob talks about Christ nearly enough. Basically, it's it's kind of uh, the whole episode is kind of that um, like that scene in the Holy Grail, the the burn the witch scene. That's just like one person trying to to calm down a village of idiots. Mm-hmm. So it's it's Squidward. Uh, Squidward asks everybody in the town to be his band for this halftime show and to learn instruments and to meet and to practice for this performance. So it's just Squidward trying to train every citizen of Bikini Bottom to be like refined, a refined orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, and then screaming and killing each other. But the there's there's one visual gag that I, I just think is so funny, uh, where um, they're practicing marching and there are two flag spinners in the front, and Squidward is yelling, "Spin those flags faster, faster, faster!" And the flag spinners are spinning so fast that they just take off into the sky like helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then and you watch them just go into, and it's maybe like a 15 second shot of these two flag spinners launching into the sky uh, and colliding with a, a blimp and exploding <laughs> and like a fighter bomb. Uh, underwater. Excellent. Underwater. Yeah. Underwater. And then um, debris is hitting the ground. The trumpet player starts playing taps and Squidward just uh, slowly sits down in fetal position <laughs> and covers his head. <laughs> It's such like a long sequence and such like a complicated, complicatedly stupid visual gag uh, that I, in any other context, I would see someone pitch and being like, we can't blow these two people out. And it's like, sure, whatever, put it, put it in the thing. That is so good. It's also 
um, one of the origin of a, of a SpongeBob meme I, meme I like a lot where um, uh, Squidward says, "What uh, if we just play really loud, people will think that we're important. Uh, and then there's a close-up of uh, Plankton screaming the word correct through his <laughs> hands. Uh, I think that that's very funny. I love Plankton. Um, he's great. Uh, but the episode ends with them uh, emerging in a in a bubble in a football game that's uh, on a live-action football field. Yeah, they really do a lot of combining animation with live-action in this uh, show. Like, a lot more than you see, typically. <laughs> but it's always really well done. <laughs> And like used judiciously for things kind of like that. Right. It's such a great payoff. And they, they like the ground opens up on this football stadium and they're on in this tiny plastic bubble and you see all like the, the painted football fans. And I think there's a moment where SpongeBob is like, these fish are disgusting. Um, but then the moment of truth comes and they have to play their song and they end up playing uh, this 80s hair metal song, Sweet Victory. <laughs> and they, they, they go through most of the song, but like, Patrick is playing this electric uh, hexagonal drum kit in like Phil Collins guard. <laughs> and there's like shredding guitar solos. That <laughs> they do, I think, almost, yeah. almost the entire song. But it's just a straight music video for this like obnoxious song. Um, and uh, Squidward's rival has a heart attack and is carried out in an ambulance. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's great. It's just a great episode. Yeah, SpongeBob gets weird and dark sometimes. That is also just some like good old fashioned cartoon violence, in a, in a way that does not in any way feel actually violent, but like the the blimp blowing up and the dude having a heart attack, but it being played like a joke. Like I just I love I love it I love it. I forget who it is, but there, there's an, there's another moment in that episode where they start fighting and kicking and punching each other, and uh, I think it's Mrs. Puff and Patrick getting like a smoke. Uh, like a smoke ball fight, cartoon fight. Uh, and they, they, it goes out of the room and the doors fly open and they leave. And then you just hear Patrick do like a guttural shriek. And then there were a few shots of, there were a few shots of characters just staring blankly into space. And then uh, Patrick comes back into the room with his legs out of the mouthpiece of a slide trombone and his head out the other end of the slide trombone. Uh, and it's just a very, it's a very, and I think he said whoever, I think he says who, he like walks in very slowly and then says whoever is the owner of a white sedan, your lights are on. <laughs> um, it's just like the dumbest, it's so, so dumb. But so much of that episode, what I like about the episode is that Squidward is corralling these people and does a lot of the talking, but every single other character, it completely ignores any motivation or, or like personality of any other character. They're just idiots. Like every <laughs> single Bikini Bottom has one side gag where they're screaming or falling down and they're all just so, so dumb. And there's like no indication of like what drives them or why they're doing this or anything. Like why would Plankton do this? But that's also clever because that's how Squidward sees them. Yeah. So like it's a, essentially an episode from his point of view. It's, a, it's definitely a deep dive into his dark psyche for sure. Oh yeah. The, the episodes that focus on Squidward and kind of dark get real real deep in there into like loneliness and neuroses i i, I can't remember the the name of it offhand but there's one where he winds up time traveling where like at one point he winds up at essentially the end of time and it's like just him and spongebob right and it's like that, that duck amok like there's like weird echoes and oh yeah it's it's super duck amok it's super uh that treehouse of horror where homer keeps going back in time and wrecking things and, and trying to make it better. Sure. The toaster one. Yeah. But it really plays with the, like, like the, like 
neuroses and loneliness of Squidward in, in a way where, like, it, it doesn't make it... I, I love Squidward as a punchline, but I also really love it when they don't make him a punchline. Um, and that one does a really, really good job at, like, showing you the specific hell that this... of his... sort of of his own making that that this person lives in. Kinda. Which, again, though, when I think about the fact that they're all supposed to be adults, it's horrifying. Yeah. I think you could kind of say a similar thing about my other favorite depressing character on there, Plankton, who, like, is not always depressing, but then sometimes you get those lows. It's interesting because he's their, like, main antagonist, but the show has also done such a great job of, like, like you said, making him a full character. Like, when when he's, like, talking with his robot wife or whatever, you get these moments of, like, very clear, like, deep loneliness. Right. Um which is like really interesting to see when you kind of humanize your main antagonist. Sure. And I think what I like about that, because I said before, there are so many cartoons that, that dive into issues like that. We are like, oh, this is, um, we're diving into somebody's psyche and this is some pretty dark territory, but it never feels like exploitative or um, it never makes you feel particularly bad. <laughs> like you accept that these are, important. and I think like a fun thing about Squidward is I guess at first he was supposed to, he enjoys everything like your boring parents like, like he wants to do interpretive dance and he wants to play his clarinet and he likes like bad art. Um, but then the, as you grow up, you're like, oh, I'm sure people who worked on this show felt like this and felt like hurt, like creative failures. And their whole life is devoted to playing this instrument that they're not even good at, but they're waiting for the day where they finally get like recognition for doing this thing. So I think if you, if you dive into it enough, you'll, you'll see that the people who work in the show might have been working through some issues, but it's never as like, a, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Squidward is all of us. Yeah. I mean, kind of in a way, like that's, that's what's brilliant about the show is that the, all the characters are like full 3d, fully realized people, but just, you know, turned up to 11. And so it comes across as absurdist, but when you really like go to break it down, as a show goes, it's not, it's, it's got a lot more gray area than I think a lot of, quote-unquote kids shows do i mean i think they do have that now i we talked about this in our kids animation episode about the the brilliant way that a lot of more modern shows are really embracing that gray area but again 20 years ago when this show started i think we were still very much in a much more black and white era and spongebob really really did kind of start that push towards like hey maybe all our characters are full people maybe even bad guys have inner lives <laughs> like which is kind of bold considering right. spongebob i also kind of like especially with plankton and even in that band episode it's like in, in one episode he's setting fire to the town and it's like this cartoonish super villain and in the next one he's like playing the harmonica in his friend's band and he's just like in the background of crowd shots and he's he like he lives there everybody knows where he lives and works he owns a restaurant yeah. Um, yep. I think it's funny how he's just like, oh, we need somebody to blow something up. Just have the guy, the guy that was uh, in the last episode uh, playing the harmonica. Oh, yeah. It very, it very much sometimes has that vibe of, of the Muppets of like sometime they're in sometimes they're in character and then sometimes they're just people. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of a lot of the like depth of these characters really does come from the voice cast uh, who we haven't really talked much about yet but um spongebob is is performed by tom kenny who is if you've watched a cartoon in the last 20 years you've heard a brilliant tom kenny performance um i think we talked about him on the kids episode too 
Oh, it, it's, it is literally impossible to talk about animation, modern animation without... And not somehow talk about Tom Kenny. Yeah. Yeah, without talking about Tom Kenny and Billy West and Maurice LaMarche and uh, Frank Welker. Tom Kenny was also a cast member on Mr. Show, uh, which was where I, I first learned of him. And it was it was legitimately strange to me to see, like, oh, this guy from a sketch show I like is now <laughs> maybe the most working voice actor in the world. And uh, Patrick, I, I cannot remember the actor's name, but he's played by Dauber from Coach. Yeah, Bill Fockerbach. And actually, it turns out I don't know who Squidward's actor is either. Thinking about it. Uh, Roger Bumpus. Roger Bumpus. Uh, Roger Bumpus. Yeah. That guy is also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember reading at uh, one point when the show first started, uh, they gave Squidward a recumbent bicycle, uh, which is <laughs> very funny. And then I read somewhere that they gave him a recumbent bicycle because the voice actor also had a recumbent bicycle. I think that's, that, that's very funny. That is perfect um and as our token the, girl let's round it out with carolyn lawrence's sandy the squirrel i think sandy is a uh, amazing character too because she's the other adult but oppositionally to squidward uh, who was just a very supportive she's like a very positive adult as opposed to squidward yeah. being a very negative adult right she's very much like the adult that's like kind of in their mid-30s and can still have fun versus <laughs> squidward who's like plainly 47 yeah and Sandy has one of the best episodes of SpongeBob, the Texas one. Oh, which one? Texas, uh, where she's homesick for her home state of Texas and sings a song about it. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Oh, uh, a cowboy song about it. Yeah, it's a very good. Uh, it's, a, it's a solid song, but uh, she climbs up to the roof of her house and uh, plays a country song about what she loves about Texas. But all the flashbacks we see are um, photo. Uh, mock-ups of a live-action squirrel wearing a tiny cowboy hat. Um, like, standing in front of a barbecue and you hear, like, a grill sizzling sound. And at one point, it, it raises into frame and, like, an animated teardrop comes out of its eye. That's so uh, good. It's so funny. And then the last line of the song, like, the whole song is sung in Sandy's voice. And the last line of the song as she's uh, lowering back into her house is just this, like, deep uh, John Wayne male cowboy voice like just as we're <laughs> as it's trailing off which is <laughs> such a dumb joke makes me laugh every time that sort of reminds uh, sort of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite episodes is the one where they the whole thing is just a training video for the crusty crab oh it's so good um where like it's mostly like live action insert shots mm-hmm. and uh voiceover but it's mm-hmm. so fucking funny doug lawrence yeah yeah. Oh, oh, oh right. Because I was going to say, because that, that was Mr. Lawrence, who is also the voice of uh, Plankton and has one of the best professional names of all time. Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Lawrence. Uh, he's also an artist uh, and director. I think he was one of the Rock Responder Life holdovers. A lot of the people from SpongeBob were Rocco people. I just watched uh, half of the Ren and Stimpy documentary, and he was. I'm not going to watch that show. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. It, it's <laughs> I'm not gonna watch this. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it. it I'm done with that guy. It's uh yeah, it's not a f- it's it's not a fun watch. Um, and I got too uh mad and disgusted and turned it off halfway through. Yeah, yeah he was like, I started watching the Rocco documentary. Like, I, or not? Uh, he was like, I started watching the Red and Stimpy documentary, and like, I knew the guy was a piece of shit, but like, having it enumerated is kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah, I really did, and I like I, man, like I stupidly like throughout my childhood i was like well he's an artist like everybody has their 
their issues if you want that singular. And they're like, no, dude, like nobody, nobody should be that monstrous. Yeah. Uh, and even, I mean, things have come to light that makes them even more of a true, true monster. Um, and I, I am completely fine with uh, obliterating any fandom I had and separating, like, and not separating the art. Like, I'm done with that shit. Like, I can go fuck Yeah, home. no, fuck that. Yeah, no, uh, the, the official stance of I think you'd be into it is fuck John K. <laughs> um, I do have a uh, frame in my office that I'm, uh, <laughs> that's been sitting there vacant for months and months is um, I have a drawing of the big heads by Joe Murray, the creator of Rocco. Oh, hell yeah. Because um, I think at one point he was like, I'm, Oh, was it a Kickstarter or something? It, it's not an interesting story. I didn't <laughs> that warranted him giving me a draw. I paid for his uh, his art, um, and he was like, he was taking requests of what uh, he wanted, what people wanted to uh, him to draw. So I requested a drawing of the big heads because I love them so much. Nice. Uh, and that's when I realized that out of characters of my childhood, for some reason, I gravitated toward Ed Bighead and Squidward because I was born a fifty year old man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was gonna say that's fair. Honestly, same. My favorite character on Doug was Mr. Dink. Mr. Dink is very cool, but but fun. That's true. I couldn't get into Doug either because I just thought Doug was so boring. He is. Doug is really boring. Well, then the, tell that to the creator since it's semi-autobiographical. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, Jim Jenkins, like, Yo, you're hey, boring. You're boring. Your life sucks. Your life sucks. Why did you make a TV show about it? F- fuck off out of here with your with your with your belts and sweater vest, Jim Jenkins. With your kids named after foods and your bands named after other foods. <laughs> Look, we've all been hungry while we were writing, okay? Yeah. So, uh, Dan, are there any other uh, topics in uh, SpongeBob SpongeBobalia that uh, we haven't quite discussed that you'd like to cover before we wrap it up? Um. Jeez, let me let me run through it in my let me just play every episode in my head in real time. I can one thing I can I I would like to just talk about is that uh, there was supposed to be another SpongeBob movie this year, but of course due to the pandemic it got pushed. It actually did get because they haven't you know just fucking royally screwed their fucking entire goddamn world. Uh, it was released theatrically in Canada last week, but it is not going to be available in the U.S. until it comes out video on demand on CBS All Access sometime next year. We get what we deserve. Yeah, that's what we deserve. At least we'll have Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah, we do still have that. Good luck. We can't discuss Bill and Ted right now. But, but yeah, I looked it up. I was like, hey, what happened to that? And it says that it was released on August 14th, 2020, theatrically in Canada. Well, it will have a premium video on demand CBS All Access release in the U.S. in early 2021. Though it's also the first one, I didn't realize this, that's going to be done entirely in CGI instead of 2D animation. Yeah, and it looks good. Like, surprisingly good, yeah. I was, I, did you see the second one? I did. I saw it on an airplane. Um, I thought it was kind of weird that all the press material was like, look at this fun CG live action hybrid SpongeBob movie. Uh, and I guess that was just the last scene of the movie. <laughs> and the first, the first two thirds of it are kind of like, um, it looks like they made it for TV and they were just like, fuck it, dump it to theaters. People would go pay to see this in theaters, but it wasn't like that, that exciting or eventful. Like, the first one felt, felt like an event to me in my small brain. And now that I'm a genius, it might seem otherwise, but uh, yeah. a genius yeah, yeah, yeah. who can form sentences. Uh, but I, I remember the first one feeling very big and larger than life, and I, I remember watching the other one. And I guess uh, it's my fault because I watched it on an airplane on a tiny screen, but it didn't. Uh, somehow it just didn't feel like a big theatrical event to me. 
No, I, I saw it at the ArcLight, and, and I sort of felt the same way. Like it, like, it was fun, but it didn't feel like it was really taking advantage of the fact that, like, this is a movie. Mm-hmm. The way that, like, a lot of those first, like, the way the first Spongebob movie did, even the way the, the Rugrats movie did, where it was like, we're going to just blow this thing out. Which, honestly, if they made another South Park movie, it'd probably wind up feeling that sort of that same way, I'd imagine. Right. I also haven't. There's so many shows that I, like, I mean, I guess that's what life is, and that's what growing up is. But there were so many shows that I, like, compulsively had to be in front of my TV to watch every week. I kind of, I don't think that there are, are any of those to me anymore. I'm trying to think if there's a show that I, like, have to tune into. Oh, Succession. Yeah, that's it. That's the grown-up show I like. Um, that's fair. The SpongeBob of the adult, adult TV world. The SpongeBob of adult television. <laughs> uh, Succession. Yeah. There is as much vomit in the SpongeBob pilot as there is in the Succession pilot, so that makes sense. Oh, sure. Uh, what a pilot. Both counts. Two great pilots. In this <laughs> essay, I will compare. <laughs> Cousin Greg is the Patrick. Of, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I I remember seeing SpongeBob, and I wasn't. Because back then, Nickelodeon, I, I mean, until college or probably too far into college, I, I pretty much watched exclusively cartoons. And was Same. pretty up on the new cartoons. And I remember when SpongeBob premiered before that, it was like a big deal for Nickelodeon. Like only ten more weeks until SpongeBob comes. Kind of like that since <laughs> it was a Gabo, where it was like Gabo, Gabo is coming, and you're like, I don't know what it is, but I have to see what this is. <laughs> SpongeBob um, will tell us what to do. Yeah. So I remember when it came out, I was like, this is supposed to be like somebody's banking on this sponge to like save this company. <laughs> like they're putting a lot of weight on it, uh, and it worked. I was like, when the Powerpuff Girls movie was about to come out and literally every commercial on Cartoon Network for a month was just the Powerpuff Girls movie. Yeah. <sighs> was also a pretty good I show. I did not realize the first SpongeBob movie came out that early. Sorry. I just looked and thought it was 2004. Yeah. Yep. I didn't realize we were still in high school. I thought it oh, was hell later. Yeah. 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 SpongeBob has been kicking for a, a while. Yeah. And I remember, I think the pilot or the first one they aired was, um, it's a bubble stand where it's like I knew I knew the show was on. I just didn't realize the movie was was that early, especially because then the second one isn't until 2014, 2015. Because right. wow. like Sponge, SpongeBob was sort of a contemporary of like Invader Zim and even like Rocket Power, wasn't it? Yeah, or was Rocket Power a little earlier? I liked Rocket Power a lot. Rocket Power can f- fuck off. It's weird because there's, it was around the same time as SpongeBob, yeah. But I, I remember there were a lot of shows, like I guess a lot of the classic Jupa ones. But there were some cartoons that I remember as a kid being like repulsed by, and like I, I, I was actively not a fan. But for some reason, I, I, I watched every episode. <laughs> like it was always on. Like I just had those channels on. I was like, well, ugh, another episode of Rocket Power that I've seen five times. That's how I felt about Ah Real Monsters. There weren't that many of them. In fairness, it had four seasons. It was on 99 to 2004. Yeah. So. I, I also never understood why. I'm looking at the Nickelodeon wiki. Jimmy Neutron was in a show I did not understand because you could just watch Dexter's Lab. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, but yeah, SpongeBob, for some reason, I remember because I wasn't like, I mean, this is a stupid thing to say. I wasn't planning on being such a huge fan of something I knew nothing about and hadn't existed yet. Um, but I remember at the first episode, I was just like, oh, I can. I can get into these simple shapes. <laughs> these shapes and colors are, oh, yeah. are uh, something I can for sure get into. I can work with these. And there are, yeah. there are a few things like, that are so ingrained in, in me where if I see like 
a, some merch or like a t-shirt or, or sweater, it'll, it'll take a lot of uh, willpower for me not to buy those things. Mm-hmm. Or like I saw last year, I think Kyrie Irving, the basketball player, released a line of SpongeBob sneakers. And like, I I don't know anything about And you're like, oh, I don't, but also I very do. Yeah. And I, like, I don't know anything about shoes or basketball. I, I wear like the same like black sneakers. I've worn the same shoes compulsively since high school. Can I pull off these like $160 Squidward sneakers? The answer, <laughs> the answer won't surprise you. It's no. So like I had to have like my whole office. I was just like every few days with, I would send them a link being like, should I? And they have to be like, no, you should not. You should not. You should not. <laughs> yeah. When you send out a link just because you want someone to tell you don't do this. Yeah, like I needed an intervention. Like, please, somebody tell me not to do this. I, I, I'm imagining a few years ago, John Oliver personally telling you, do not buy these sneakers, Dan. <laughs> I mean, for for his 20 minute main feature. Yeah. Looking, yelling at my OTS class. Don't buy those sneakers, Dan. You can't pull them off. Horrible impression. Uh, he's a very nice man. I, uh, I've allowed myself one. I have one sweatshirt that's uh, Homer. It's a green sweater that has the drawing of Homer uh, emerging from the bushes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Another very good meme. Yeah, I can't. I won't allow myself any like uh, <laughs> any cartoon clothing. That's totally fair, and I say that wearing a Hamsar shirt at this exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? He a Hamsar is a character from Homestar Runner. Okay, yeah, that's that's a complete blind spot. To me. Oh God, we need to do a Homestar episode eventually. Um, we'll get there. We got all the time in the world. In theory, since we're stuck here forever. Well, Dan, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us in this pineapple under the sea. Hey, anytime. My, my favorite fish or my favorite food, sign me up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, it's, if people wanted to find more uh, Daniel Spencer-related content on the internet or on their television, uh, how could they do that if you wanted them to find you? Uh, sure, they can go to uh, spongebobsquarebuns.ed. You know, uh, they can go to... Uh, Daniel Spencer, uh, spelled S-P-E-N-S-E-R.com. If you want to see my art, look at my drawings. Uh, They're very good. I like your art, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, you guys were my first uh, freelance customers who asked me to make posters for your plays in, uh, in college. Oh, yeah. And now look at us, famous millionaires. Oh, yay. I still have that poster. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's where you find me. Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about SpongeBob. Oh, Dan, what was it? You put out that uh, electronic record a little while ago. That's really fucking good. Tell people about that. Oh, thanks so much. You're the person who listened to that. <laughs> he is the target audience for that. I, I've listened to that thing three, four times. That's a really good, that's a really good, like, smoke half of a joint and chill out record. Oh, wow. As someone who's never smoked any of a joint, I, I, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. A lot of cool sounds, a lot of cool textures. Oh, yeah. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, it, um, it's it's been a result of the quarantine and me not wanting to annoy anybody by plugging in real instruments. So I figured I would learn how to use a synthesizer through headphones. Literally same. Uh, yeah, I, I made an album uh, called Inner Limits under the, the band name Lukewarm and the Dead Meats. And it is on Spotify. And you can do a search for that. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks and sorry. Brandon's endorsed. No, you know what? Brandon just endorsed it. So if people don't like it, now it's on him.
yeah. not on you. You can write all your letters to Brandon back. Yeah, write all your le- write all your angry tweets at Brandon at Hell Yes Brandon. Come at me, I can take it. I'm I'm not scared of you fuckers. I'm very scared of you fuckers. So please take it up with Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of you fuckers, uh, I can be found across the internet at Hell Yes Brandon on all the stuff. Um, I've got some uh, Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour is the third Wednesday of every month on the Pack Theater's uh, Twitch channel. Uh, I've got a bunch of videos that I've made for them up on YouTube and stuff now, including uh, the ABCs with David Lynch, um, which is hella weird. And uh, a Jimmy Buffett pastiche I did a couple months ago. A new song about how much it fucking sucks to move. Um, So if you want to check out a kids show for adults, check out the Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour. Uh, Or SpongeBob SquarePants. Or yeah, or SpongeBob SquarePants, fair. That too. Um, They are kind of of a piece tonally, though Happy Sappy is much, much hornier than SpongeBob is. I don't know, man. I bet Squidward fucks. I don't know. We do have Glenn, the emotional support blow-up doll. That is true. That And the, the talking cum sock. Uh, I'm on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, my band Inkblot has some stuff on, on YouTube and SoundCloud, some live shows. I will adore Inkblot. Very good band. Oh, thank you. Um, and uh, I may or may not have an EP coming out soon. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. I will. Probably have with Inkblot, uh, you can take it up with Hell Yes Brandon. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, Beth, what about you? Yeah, you can find me everywhere online at, at B Scores uh, with an underscore at the end. I've explained why before. Uh, and um, I sort of have a plug. Uh, if uh, not that anybody you know has a lot of extra money rolling around, but if you are interested, I'm I'm ading a uh, short that is filming at the end of September, and we're currently raising money on Indiegogo. Indie, Indiegogo, woo, yeah. We're currently raising money on Indiegogo, um, which like, hey, you can help me get paid a better rate if you can help us raise some money, and that'd be chill. Uh, it's called Lissa, L-Y-S-S-A, a social thriller. Um, and you can find them on Instagram at Lissa Short Film, and the link to the Indiegogo is in there. And also, you can see the picture of me because they insisted on introducing the crew on Instagram, and I had to write a bio, and it was horrible, and I hated it. But uh, the, sh- the shoot's going to be cool. It's it's like a really cool um, thriller about a girl with schizophrenia who starts seeing a stalker, but like nobody believes her because she has schizophrenia um it's it's a cool little tense thriller that we're shooting at the end of september you know fingers crossed covid uh you know guidelines and all this stuff so we'll see how that goes uh i you can find the show everywhere online at, at intuit pod on twitter and we're on facebook you can follow the hashtag intuit pod on instagram which will also tie you back to my username if you want um and if you want to share the show or let people know that there's tons of platforms you can listen to it on, we've updated our links. Uh, you can now find a link tree in our bios that will give you access to all of the different places you can listen to the show, um, which I was finding a lot easier uh, than <laughs> trying to remember all of them. Uh, and that's just, you know, link tree slash Intuit pod. Uh, thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album. Falling is like flying. That's all I got. Oh, I completely forgot to mention when we were talking earlier about my brief interaction with, uh, somebody who had a cameo on SpongeBob. Uh, there's an episode where SpongeBob and Patrick go to play hooky 
which is just them jumping on fish hooks and like riding them into the air and then jumping off before they get pulled out. And as they're playing hooky, uh, you it cuts to the human fishermen who are trying to reel them in, and it's filmmaker Jim Jarmusch and the actor and the actor John Lurie. Uh, right, right, yeah. Host of Fishing with John and star of uh, many Jim Jarmusch movies. Um, and I, I tweeted just out of the blue, apropos of nothing, a couple years ago. Hey, remember that time uh, Jim Jarmusch and John Lurie tried to murder SpongeBob? And I didn't tag either of them <laughs> in it. But like an hour or two later, I got a response from John Lurie that said, now, come on, we weren't trying to murder him. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, John Lurie was searching for himself on Twitter. Yeah. I have absolutely more than once gotten myself in an accidental Twitter confrontation because I made a joke and somebody was searching their own name. So I actually, there you at go. one point, I, I posted that um, gag from that episode with the blimp, the exploded blimp. And I said, mm -hmm. I would love an or like a, a history of how this joke was written and who came up with it. And a bunch of SpongeBob animators and directors started a thread trying to figure out how it happened. That's awesome. And it was very, very cool. Twitter's wild, y'all. Um, so yeah, all that being said, come at me, John Lurie, podcast over. <laughs>